Hello, and welcome to I Digress, a show where we give you our take on today's swiftly changing world. I'm your host, T.C. Lewis. And I'm your host, Eric Green. And today's show is... A conversation with recording artists R.A. Washington and James Longs of Morning a Black Star. So today we are speaking to two members of Morning a Black Star. The brainchild and founding member, R.A. Washington, and James Longs, one of the three vocalists, which includes LaToya Kent, Kyle Kidd, drummer, Dante Foley, Teresa May on trumpet, Pete Sodek, guitar and keyboard, and William Washington on trombone. How you doing, fellas? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Thanks for having us. On this uh, eve, this Labor Day weekend, thanks for giving us your time. Uh, James on his way to a, some other gathering, he's in his car. I've been along the ride for a little bit, so I want to bring up some things that I've been thinking about lately. Uh, your Morning of Black Star just released their fifth album in May, The Cycle, which has earned them worldwide critical acclaim. It's a double album. And it was just most recently featured in European music magazine called The Wire. And you can check online or if you have availability to purchase that magazine. It's a May issue, 2020 issue of Wire magazine. And in their short-lived... It's the September issue. Oh, it's the September. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for Sorry. correcting. Yeah. No problem. So the, some of their notable achievements in their short time together is they performed at the Kennedy Center... They also performed at South by Southwest, which was that last summer or was that the summer before? Uh, last spring. And just most recently, some of the band members appeared on the Colbert Show, aiding friends in a, another band called Algiers, for which they collaborated on their single together, Dispossession. So lots of accomplishments in a short time for this band. Can we call you an overnight sensation? Um. Depends on what, like, what, what do you mean by sensation? I say that in, I say that in jest. It seems like, um, yeah, having, I understood why you said it in jest, but like, you know, for the people, since it's a talking show, just wonder. Because you know, no one, there's no such thing as an overnight sensation. People like right. to use it and okay. say that because they haven't seen the work that's been put in, in the background. I think it's an overnight sensation. Do you? Yeah, here's why. Because each day you have to commit to the principle of making art. It's not like, those are not cumulative days. Every day is day one, in my opinion. And since the band is designed to approach it like that, we approach it like that. And it's been very generative to us to make it a one day at a time type of thing. So, when things happen where we get praise from outside or external, or some external validation, we're grateful and we're humble and we keep it moving because we're in the practice of the day to day. So what I'd like to ask you is, have you ever experienced the type of notoriety that you've experienced with this band? I've, I've, I think I'm aware, or I think I've heard that you've had other experiences with other bands and and it's i'm assuming they've gotten to a certain 
uh, level of success. Mm. How does how is this experience different, and how have those experiences prepared you for this experience? Um. Well, they're different because uh, well, obviously time is involved, but they're different because they don't they're not uh, they're not centralizing myself. It's not my effort making this happen. It's more of a uh, it's more of a life lesson in the fact that like um, if you have an open hand and then people collaborate and they feel seen within that collaboration, then things could occur. I could never move my music career or my art career very much to any kind of like level per se in the business of making art for money. I never could really like um, move it past just a little bit. So this moment um, is very instructive as to like what, uh, what happens when you let go of like some of your own personal expectations of how things are going to go. And then all of a sudden you get the very thing you've been wishing for. James. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, 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 it's good. So, so James, how is this experience? You know, we're both, we have very similar path and this path is different, but it still has the collaborative art process point of view, right? How do you compare this experience and what has prepared you for this that your other endeavors have prepared you in a way that your others, other endeavors have prepared you for this or have they? Um, to some degree, yes. I mean, most of my artwork was singular, doing murals, interior design, et cetera, et cetera, for these restaurants and nightclubs and things like that um, and homes, personal homes. But you know, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of by myself in those endeavors. Obviously I come up with the idea, I design it and, uh, and, and then execute it, you know, but even in that I've worked in collaboration with architects or other designers, a good friend of mine, Chris Schramm, we've done a lot of projects together. And so sitting down with them and more specifically sitting down with Chris on a lot of projects and, and just, just kind of coming up with what is the best way to 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 execute or express the client's vision or let the client know what's actually a better vision than the one that he has in certain situations kind of i mean i enjoy the collaboration i like coming up with things I, I like i like hearing an idea and then and then finding out where's the little where's the little catch where's the catchphrase where's the thing that's going to make it that a person especially like, like specifically to this band like hum um, RA comes up with the majority, like 90 plus percent of the songs and the beats and the and initial vision of the music. And then in my opinion, it's just my, my job to do the vocal arrangements and try to figure out, you know, how to express it in, in a way that's understood universally and not just a selfish expression, you know, with a style or something like that. Like how, how do you bring out the inner feeling of what's being communicated? Of course, that's through my perspective but I still try to share my perspective universally, if that makes sense. It sounds like a labor of love and it seems based on RA's experiences, he's learned patience through this process. Now, this is something 
a bit different because in you speaking about trying to find the solution, the right solution in collaboration with your clients, it seems that you guys are more on your own path. You have, there's a type of freedom that you're able to have. And you're inventing something that, to me, hasn't really existed. I've seen semblances of it. I, I think that I hear influences in it, but it has a retro feel and it has a newness to it. And it's really, really on time. Was that planned? I'm, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but a lot of things are coming okay. to my mind. Was that planned or was that just by happenstance? Or did you see the market was ready for something? And then did you create a product that would address that market, which is what we're uh, going through now? See, so now, now we get into the, 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 the trouble with men, you know? Because I wish I could tell you, it'll be great. Like my grandfather would be so proud. My father would be proud if I could just say to you, you know, it was all planned. <laughs> It's a genius in the design, my friend. You know, I wish I could tell you that, but I can't. It's the spirit. It's, it's the matrilineal parts coming in through spirit that's allowing for some of this to happen. And there is some art historical information that I may have and some cleverness within the frame of Western humanities. So I might be able to plot some courses but that comes after the fact that happens after the spirit parts. So no. And then I don't consider markets because we're not invited to the market. So I just don't care. It's kind of like when you're a poor kid and Jordans first came out and you're like, fuck them Jordans. <laughs> I don't get, I don't wear Jordans. <laughs> you know what I mean? You wanted some Jordans real bad, but you, you told yourself you didn't, you know, I'm real good at doing that. <laughs> I don't think that could be happening in terms of timing. You know, I mean, me, I'm the elder of the band and I'm, I'm not necessarily the oldest person around. Um, but I have some perspective, you know, I'm at an age where I kind of ride the line between what is perceived as the past and what is perceived as the present. seems to me like a lot of society's more ready because of the information age, possibly, or technology to actually listen to what's being said. Everybody acts like this is new. Nothing in this country is changed. This country is exactly as it was before beautiful black human beings were murdered. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed except people are more open to believing the victim. We have a tendency not to believe the victim. I mean, women say men have been sexually harassing them, and we're like, yeah, yeah, well, it's just a flirtation. They're overreacting. And now we're finding out, like, wait a minute, every woman's dealing with this? It's absurd to even have that reaction if you would listen to the people that are being victimized by their circumstance. And the same thing with Black people. So they're just open to the information, and we're providing it in a way that is not necessarily accusatory in any way, but it is absolutely, it holds people accountable to the truth. I mean, after, you know, the, the, as, as Feek talks about the mirror, the, the reflection of the truth is undeniable. And you have to respond to that, especially in this information age. Well, your work, and I didn't realize it as much as I have now, 
has influenced TC and our work. We wanted to look at a lighter side of the things that were going on. And we found that these are things that needed to be discussed in a more serious way so that other people could understand. And I also see our audience being quite similar to yours, at least from what I have seen and from the one concert I saw in uh, New Orleans a couple of years back. Um, Yeah, that was, yeah, that was great. These times remind me of, I've just talked to James about this, 1986 when we were in college. Mm-hmm. Those black by popular demand shirts. Oh, I was four. Thank you. Four, yeah. yeah that, was good. that was a good year. <laughs> that might be why you think this is new. <laughs> no, but I, I see it's I see all kinds of historical connotations coming into the mix here. You know, I see sixty-eight. I hear it in your music. I hear jazz. I hear James Baldwin. I hear I hear. Can we, can we take a step back though and kind of talk about who, what the band is? And oh yeah, yeah. In the band, "Morning a Black Star." What does that even mean? I'm looking at the website. It's the description of the band "Morning a Black Star." We are a multi generational, gender and genre nonconforming amalgam of Black culture, dedicated to servicing the stories and songs of the apocalyptic diaspora. Man, I love good words, um, but can you definitely unpack that for our listeners? I'm sure um, most of us, I mean, I myself haven't uh, been privy. Well, I'm not even going to say that because you're a worldwide, you have a worldwide audience. So I'm one of the few people who hasn't, who was just getting to know Morning at Black Star. But tell us, you know, about the actual band, who you are, um, how you came together. What does Morning at Black Star mean? Please explain apocalyptic diaspora. Okay. Let me walk it back backwards for you. The apocalyptic diaspora is anywhere black folks ended up after colonial times. All right. Anywhere that we ended up after the onset of colonial violence for capital. So that's the Caribbean, that's Latin America, that's parts of Asia, that's parts of Europe, that's parts of India, it's parts of Arab countries, parts of Africa. Right. And how about the name? What's what I know the where the name emanated from, if you could share that with our listeners. Uh it was uh, just a play on, you know, a homie of mine had passed. But that was the secondary thing. The first thing was uh, I was sitting in my house and I was playing James and his daughter Juve, the playbacks of our first recording session. Because we just, like, went in there and just, we weren't thinking it was a band or anything. I just had some beats and I wanted to hear some different things on it. So I invited James and Latoya to come do it with me. And um, we were listening to it. I was like, man, this could be a band. And he was like, yeah. I was like, what, what, what would we call it? And we had been just talking about David Bowie, he just passed. 
we were talking about the Black Star record, and I was thinking about Gork, my friend that just um, passed, and I was like, yo, we should do something with, like, Black Star. But uh, we didn't want to call it Black Star. Obviously, we're not most deaf and talented quali, and, like, that's just a singular thing. And then Black Star Liner, that's the the brand new being in the old dub song and then going back all the way to Marcus Garvey. I was like, you know, what if we just put the morning on there? And at first it was just going to be like morning, like early morning. Like black, black people are the star that comes up in the morning type vibe. And then we sing, we, we hit on, I, I think James might've been the one to say morning, like M-O-U. Mm, yeah. And uh, then they drew the logo right there on the spot. Logo, boom. Band name, logo, record, <laughs> done. You know what I mean? Then he texts me the logo. And then they left. Go do what daughters and, and fathers do during the day. You know, they do, do you know, run some errands or whatever. I don't know. I went to the tattoo shop. <laughs> And tattooed it on my left hand. What is the logo? What is, oh, the M-A-B with the little, what is that? What does that mean? More like shadows, you know, it could be interpreted a number of different ways. But it's just a graphic symbol that people can interpret the way they want to interpret it along the name, along with the name Morning of Black Star. So. Which is what good art does. I prefer abstract art. Yeah, I, I like things that allow people to think and draw their own conclusions with a little bit of a, a, a lead or a little bit of directional push. Um, it, it, it invites inclusion in, in, in the product. And I think that's that's hugely important in art. See, I, I didn't consider any of that. I got him. <laughs> no. But I tattooed it on my hand before we even played the show. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, shit, pressure. Uh, I guess we got to do something now. And I want to just say, I think I think Feek was clowning me because my girl said, like, you know, you know, my boyfriend can sing. And he's like, oh, really? You know, and he's been in the game for 20-plus years, putting in bands, been in a number of banging bands, known, like, also internationally recognized before Morning of Black Star. And so he said, oh, yeah, just fall through. Here, we're doing something. Didn't tell me anything about what was going on. I show up in the house. And there's people milling around. So I thought it was just a meet and greet. So I'm like, what's up, what's up? And then Latoya, who I didn't know at the time, is on the microphone. And everybody's like, be quiet. I didn't even know I had to be quiet. I didn't know anything about the business, nothing. And all of a sudden, so he's got this beat going. And she's writing. And it's like, OK, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited because it's like an exercise in art. You know, and the discipline of art, you know, it's, it's spontaneous, it's improvisational, it's it's all this. And I'm watching her and she starts singing and it's like, okay, this is sweet. This is sweet. And then all of a sudden he said, okay, cool, you're up. Hands me a sheet of paper and the beat, this is the beat. And I'm standing in front of everybody with my pants down. That's what I felt like, you know, I'm like, okay, because I didn't really know anybody in the room. And I'm like, okay, but then that 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 art ego, I was like, that, but I tell you what, I'm going to come up with something. We're going to do something here and it's going to be respectable at least. And then it just was such a collaboration and so, so inviting and so much artistic respect. It was just, it was, it was one of the greatest artistic experiences I've ever had. And then we, we wrote 
darn near the whole first album without even realizing it was a first album. <laughs> but we like these were all like first takes, like literally read the poem that that Feek provided you and wrote beautiful words to a beat and make it fit, meld the two together. Can you do that artistically? Do you have what it takes to see in this perspective, from this perspective, you know, this openness? And it was, it was, it was great because it required trust, openness, faith, and discipline. And it was, it's, it's, it's rare that you get to experience all that at one time and then create something beautiful and new. It was, it's, it's a, it was a heck of an experience. So the chemistry, so the chemistry is instant, was instant. So what are the things that you've seen that you felt as in being band members? Because there's a definite certain progression in the art and in the music as you go through this journey. What are some of the most rewarding things or what are some of the most significant things that you've learned in this well, journey in creating? Well, did we, did we answer all your questions, TC? Before, before, you know, I take over. Special <laughs> takes us on a journey. Um, well, I wanted to just introduce so people can know who these people you're talking about, uh, the the right. members of the band on, you know, the line we have today is of course James Long's vocalist, and then R. A. Washington, um, sampler slash bass. What does that mean? And also, I want to make sure everyone knows that when James says "feek," he's referring to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Rafiq. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. Um, I got a lot of names. <laughs> and, um, I think it's very important to, to have, like, naming ceremonies for yourself in different periods of time that live for you, allow for you to locate how long someone's been coming to your library building. You uh, know? Yeah, consider, that makes sense. I consider artists libraries. So I'm a library building in my city. And I've yeah. been here for 28 years. So people fall through, but I can locate when they when they started coming around by what name they use. Hmm. So if they were coming around in the early days, they're going to use Rafik. If they were coming around in the middle time, or if they know me for since Rafik and they know me through the whole journey, all the way to R.A. Washington, then they call me Feek. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the new people that know me from this band or from the other art I make call me R.A. Washington. And I never really bothered to connect them in any meaningful way. Um, and I'm glad I didn't. It probably was a, it probably cost me money. You know, <laughs> probably, I probably put a lot of dollars on the table because of that. Because I just never connected the things I was up to. I never connected the films with the plays, with the music, with the this, with the this, with the this. Well, was, you seem to be doing all right. It's fine. But I'm just saying, like, you know, um, you, uh, you're you taught a certain way to um, invest in yourself in a capitalist means, you know, like, in order to gain traction in American society and be considered a stand-up human being. And then, then not only that, they're treating you as a monolith, as a black man monolith. Like all black men are the same motherfuckers. And you you're doubling down on it and believing it too. You believe it. Cause you're not you now you're in Stockholm syndrome, because they've been telling you for so long it's 
literally in your DNA. So I don't know, spirit led, different ancestors talking to me and me being open to the channel made me make certain choices that now seem like revolutionary choices, but they really weren't. Yeah, were they choices at all? That's the question. No, it was just me responding to the place, you know? So I'm, I feel I feel more humility about it than I ever did, and that's changed the way I I view. To answer your question, Eric, that changes the way I view collaboration. That changes the way I view art. Um, that changes what I need from it too, and that's an evolving concept. Some days I have bad days where I'm like, well, "Fuck them, <laughs> <laughs> fuck everything." <laughs> Then he calls me. Then I have a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm having a bad day, everybody's having a bad day. That's that's, James Long's quote. (laughs) What happens? Like, you know, I call him up and I'm like, he has to body my, my, that all that smoke. (laughs) Say the one thing that's going to make me take a pause. And he always waits. He waits. He waits. And he waits. And just when you think that you just, have gotten away with like totally being grandiose and absurd. You get a chop in the neck to bring you back home. (laughs) That that kind of like family shit. Or a kick in the head in this temple. Well, you're not going to do that because that's going to cost you money. Well, that's what he did to me. (laughs) um, Yeah, that was a long time ago, sir. He'll hit me in the throat, though, because I don't sing in the band like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's better when I'm quiet in the band anyway, but uh, <laughs> he won't kick me in the head, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm protected. So, so I, um, guess we, I guess, yeah, I, I, along the lines of what you were saying, I guess we should introduce the other members. Yeah, yeah well, he tried to introduce everybody. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you find everybody? Where? How did they come into the picture? Were oh, they from past okay. lives? Were yeah, they from the yeah, RA yeah. times? No, no, no. This idea, like, you got an idea, you got to get it accomplished. Let's not even consider who it is. Like, who's up? You know, who's on first type shit. You know what I mean? Who's like, that next? This has to happen. So, like, once I had James and Latoya, I'm like, okay, all right. And then we brought in Kyle, and Kyle was just going to sing backups for, for a show. Till he opened his mouth. <laughs> I wrote, a, I wrote some on my typewriter right there for him and that ended up on the new record. We went back oh, in. Typewriter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. He's got a whole collection of typewriters. He takes on tour and everything. He sits in coffee shops, just tack, 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 typing. <laughs> Everybody's wondering what the hell's happening. It's like While Mississippi's party. burning. I mean, it sounds romantic now because of Etsy. You know? Yeah. It sounds romantic now because of Etsy, but like, and it then it feels a tad bit embarrassing because of how popular this concept is with these little hipster kids. But like, I couldn't afford a computer. I worked for a, a alternative weekly newspaper and I had to get on the bus from way out to go downtown to use their computers to type my stories in. But I'm not about to walk up in there with uh, <laughs> on Corona hand, <laughs> handwritten stories. I mean, I already feel like I'm an imposter in the room anyway. 
I'm trying to get my gumption up and do this thing that literally seems impossible to be doing from my point of view. This is in Cleveland? Yeah. Like, how am I on this, how am I on this paper in the first place? Like, how am I writing for a paper that's owned by the Village Voice? Like, how is that happening? And I don't have a computer, so I can't file my stories from home like the rest of these guys. There's no internet in my house. I mean, I'm running, a, I'm running like a 60-foot extension to the downstairs loft to run the space heater. When the night, when the, when, in the winter, at about 6 o'clock, it's, it's shut-eye time. The gravity of reality. There it wow. is. That's true dedication. <laughs> so I'm just like, I type up the story. So I have it on typewriter paper so that these white cats ain't looking at me crazy. Then I got to retype it into the computer. Well, guess what's happening when that's happening? My skills are growing at a rate of speed that I never could get in university. You know? Yeah. My ability to translate myself, to self-edit, to think on my feet, to persevere, all these things are occurring. You know? But I don't know what it's for. It's just literally so I don't have to feel embarrassed as a black person in this newspaper room. That's all it was. So that's interesting that you bring that up because what I'm hearing as I hear the three of you talk about things and you and James um, talk about your experiences with Morning a Black Star, it sounds like um, that this band and the art that comes from it is like a safe space, uh, a space of freedom um, that a lot of us are looking for. Um, or and uh, or have found it, but maybe you're just kind of feeling it out. And I think maybe um, our society right now um, is is really have uh, um, making a big push for its own, you know, like personal freedom, like as a collective and as individuals. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I don't know. Like, you allowed to risk. You allowed to risk. Go risk. <laughs> but um, yeah, freedom. Like, can we talk about freedom? Yeah, but freedom's a funny thing. See, a lot of people I think are under the misconception that freedom is a right. Freedom is a which it is, and freedom is is something that just you know happens, and 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 it, and it's not. It's it. I come from a generation, or you know that certain things were certain ways, you know, if you, if you wanted to believe in something, if you have an opinion and you, and you want to change the opinion or stand against that, then you just have to stand against it and, and understand, okay, I don't care who comes at me. I'm going to stand my ground, you know, and uh, I'm going to bend, but I'm not going to break. And you're going to stand in the middle of that, of that storm. And there's a strength to that and a determination and, and, and the self-assuredness. Cause a lot of times you're by yourself. Well, that's just not how it works nowadays to, the degree or in the way that I experienced coming up. So, you know, freedom is, is a commitment. You know, you, you, I have to change the way I approach things and I have to constantly discipline myself and, and, and take into consideration people, other people's feelings and their emotions and the things that matter to them that they say that they claim importance to, you know, and, 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 and if you don't, consciously constantly discipline yourself to operate within a framework that leads toward what you say you want freedom or respect or whatever 
it's just not going to happen. You're going to be part of the problem. So, you know, if you want freedom, you have to surround yourself with people that want that are like-minded and then you have to discipline yourselves when like-minded people come with different opinions and different ways to execute this freedom. You have to be respectful and understand where they're coming from. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. The hardest thing I've ever had to do. It reminds me of the, you know, coming from the design world and when you have a bunch of ideas and then you have to funnel them down and yes. you get them to a point and then you come with, you limit the number, but then all the possibilities open up again. And then with all the people in your band, especially all of the singers that you have, it's up to Rafiq to understand where their strengths are and to way, where to keep them fulfilled talent-wise mm -hmm. and a way to exercise the best qualities of their talents. So there's a whole orchestration of variables here that uh, right. it's amazing. Strong personalities. There's not a person in our band that is not complete, a, a, a hugely strong personalities. I mean, we overuse the word alpha, but they really are in their circle, whatever circles that they exist in, where they're the, the cog and the wheel, um, they're the alpha. And so having all these people with these personalities you know, how do you stand your ground? How do you, how do you get your point across? You got, you got to know when to accept not winning the conversation. You know, when does it click from your point of view is the point of view that should be referenced or is it, does it click into its ego? And I simply can't stand being told no, you know, you have to really analyze yourself and understand how to operate, especially with eight people. It's, it's, it is, like I said, an incredibly difficult thing for me personally because i'm you know i mean i i'm just used to what i say goes <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know it's not in a bully way but i mean i have strong opinions about the way things should be done i have a little bit of hindsight and foresight so i feel a certain way but i'm pleased to say i've been i'm i'm not always right I'm never wrong, but I'm not always right. <laughs> but I've been pleasantly surprised that other ways of executing things actually are also correct and maybe better. And I wouldn't have known that unless I didn't force myself to stop and, and, and look and listen and have the patience to allow things to develop the way they should. What's so, your, who is your audience? What's the, I hate to put, throw this in here, but the demographic, I'm asking you this because we're messengers, especially in this time, and especially with the art whoa. forms that we're using to whoa, whoa, sort whoa. of convey. In messengers? Yeah, I think we are. Okay, I'm gonna let me hear you out. Let me hear it out. Messengers, and as I learn things as I go, yeah, I'm realizing things that I didn't know. And right. I think it's my responsibility to convey those ideas as I learn them through people, through history, through events. So I'm in just doing this podcast, I'm learning that I feel a responsibility for being honest with the message instead of caving in and trying to dilute the message. I got to be real honest with the message. And what I'm realizing is the people that need to hear that in a bigger way and much more than I thought they would. And they're eager to learn, you know, the, the term when the 
student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I see that in what you're doing. I've seen the crowd that you're attracting. So I was wondering if you could go into a little bit about that and have they changed your views or have they encouraged you more or are they, are they, how does people that are, that are following you, not following, I'm not trying to make you seem like you're some sort of dictator or something, but you know what I mean? Your fans, your, the people that dig you, what do they see and what have you learned from them and how do you feed each other? Well, it's, it's funny if I can just say this real quick, I have a friend, a very close friend who mentioned white guy, he mentioned some, some concerns like, you know, he coming to one of our shows because of the nature of the music we sing about, you know, the subject matter and things like that, social injustice, social justice, et cetera. And he's like, he just will feel uncomfortable being in that crowd. And I said, well, what crowd is that? He's like, well, you know, you know, <laughs> he wanted to say black folk, dude. 80% of our crowd, 75% of our crowds are white people. Exactly. That's what I was saying. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> he, was, he was shocked. He's like, really? And it just, it just goes to show how, you know, people have these preconceived notions about things about, you know, everybody wants to put everything in, in, in a comfortable box so they can understand it. But the subject matter is not easy to understand because there's a lot of access in a wide level to any medicine, sonic medicine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's absurd to even consider. Like, the the blackest sonic medicine forever has been consumed mostly by white folk. Jimmy, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, you name it. Because they have leisure time that they stole off our labor. Right. It's built into them to go to concerts. It's built into them to patronize the arts. So to me, they gonna get you the smoke. If you get to come to art and I make art and my people don't really have wide access to the art I make, the medicine, because you pumping everything else but the medicine at them in these larger commercial avenues. You know, as if black people are a monolith, you're selling off whole communities to advertising. And it's all commercial and it's all mainstream. and It's all not medicine. The food's bad. All of it is bad. And it's a weapon against us. Right. So when I'm playing my music, you're going to catch my smoke. yo. You're going to hear about all that. I don't care. White, black, green, red, purple, yellow. Don't matter. You're going to catch it. You're going to love it because you know for a true fact that everybody should be there. That's true. And you got to ask yourself a fucking question. How come there's 75% of the motherfuckers in here white when they sing about this? Now you got to ask yourself that when you leave the house. I mean, when you leave the show, you got to ask. And that's all we were required to do. And that's why I say we're not messengers. Why do, are they, do you think that they hear the message? Or do they oh, think they just absolutely. hear the art? No, absolutely. Let me, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Web Du Bois is double consciousness, right? What's it about? Like, what are we told and taught that it's about? We're told and taught that it is 
us explaining to white folks what it's like to be living as a Negro in America. No, that's not what it's about. It's a direct letter to us talking about how we have to have a duality of spirit and improvise, uh, improvise nature in our spirit to survive this place. So I want to play music. I have to tell myself that I don't care who it is that is playing, that is watching me play the music. This is the music I want to make. These are the things I want to say, right? So I don't even consider anything other than that. And I also know that the more radical it is, the more smoke they catch, the more it might have a reverberation. Because my only job is lexiconic translation. These are the stories that you thought you were avoiding when you got on the highway and didn't drive on Carnegie. <laughs> right, before they repaved it. Right. <laughs> Did they repave it? Yes. Yeah, they do every one. You know, like every hood, every every city has these places where you just kind of literally drive over or through a densely hooded black neighborhood that has lack of resources, right? And you don't even have to bother yourself with the details of the shit. Just through the gentrification teleportation device. You got gentrification teleportation device. I like that. You don't ever have to like ever bother yourself with what's going on in the hood, except for the evening news. You 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 notice and doesn't especially in the music genre or anything. The greatest artists start with the least amount of resources and they make the most of it well that, that's almost a necessity i mean i think poverty or not poverty in terms of money but just in terms of the lack of having things you know is the father of, in, of of creativity i mean you have to figure out ways to get things done i mean musically we've done it you know with hip-hop not having access to certain things and turning that machine into turning a basically a disc a, a album into a musical instrument and all, you know, all these things so if you have stuff you don't sit down and think about how to create anything because you just go out and buy it you know yeah, or if you're used to having stuff right. it just becomes yeah. a technical a practice and technical skills exactly exactly but when you don't have something and you're used to going without but you have you know the one thing that you do have is 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 a mind that 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 knows how far it wants to reach, man, you will create some things. You'll come out with ingenious solutions. And that's across the board. That's not racially specific. That's just across the board, you know? I almost think that it's, as the as white people look at us, I think they're amazed at what we go through and how we overcome it. And I think- well, it's different now. I, I, think it's, I think it's different, it's generational. White people grow up nowadays, pretty much indoctrinated as far as they can be from the outside in in black society and black culture you know they go to the concerts as we talked about you know hip-hop concerts are all white people in the seats practically you know it's like it's just what it is so i think what they thought they knew i think everybody's tripping right now because they thought they knew something because they had close black friends and they've been in some situations and they've seen some things and they talk the way we talk and they understand it and we, I don't talk like them this is just how we talk you know it's all this kind of you know which is a reality but it doesn't change the fact that unless you walk in their shoes truly understand 
what the hell's going on through experience. You can't fathom how bad it actually is. Like, really? The people that, are, that I always thought were going to protect me in any situation are killing my people that look like my friends? I mean, that's why they're tripping, because they're like, I, I can't. I, how did I how did this sneak under my radar? I'm right there with these black people. How did this sneak under my radar? And that's how people are tripping. But it's just what it is. It's a good thing, I think, that it's happening. But, so, you know, I, don't I, don't ever think you're black. I, I, <laughs> I here's a, here's the thing I, I'm thinking. I just read part of the wire review. And you guys are termed as being Afrofuturists that see the positivity. At least that's what I got out of it. Is that really how you view these days? And do you see some positiveness coming out of this moving forward? I mean, yo, what's positive for me or negative for me is not positive and negative for TC. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's, you're getting at that's, the monolith thing, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man, I can't even, I can't even answer your question from that point of view. But what I will say is that as far as Afrofuture, Afrofuturists, the notion of being Afrofuturist was about a philosophical approach to art making and a, a mythology that had been existing for almost a millennia, getting connected in on a culture frame. You know, people ran with it, right? But when you really think about Afrofuture, we're talking about eco-future because in order for Africans in the United States and Africans in the world, in this apocalyptic diaspora to survive, that means that human beings are going to have to come to a reckoning, right? They have to come to a reckoning about how everyone's treated. And that's an eco-future because mm -hmm. we're killing the planet at the same time. We're killing the planet at the same time. So, at the end of the day, black folks should feel relieved because a reckoning is occurring. We should not be in a place like, oh man, I might not get my reparations check because the world is dying. <laughs> uh, oh shit, I wanted to be the owner of one of them Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises. I always wanted to do that when I was a kid, you know, or whatever the fuck we up to in this capitalism frame. These cats about to pay the piper, son, on the real. Like, it's just going down. The kids not messing with them. The planet is not messing with them. And they dying literally right the fuck now. All of them are dying like, damn, 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 damn. But who is all of them? Because they always hear about is black people dying from. Uh, I'm talking That's... about I'm talking about the 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 the, the capital power that fuels oh. all this death. Gotcha. Capital power that fuels all this death. They're human beings too. They have a cycle of life too, and what they've done the last what forty years building their wealth and creating um, new inventions and the subjugation of black folks, you know, new inventions. They just keep inventing new things to add to the shit. And it's all tethered to the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we have certain rights, but then they take others. We have certain privileges and they take others. 
it takes different shapes. It's a shape shifting because capital has to exploit. It has to make something invisible. Cities are created to be these monuments to our ingenuity. And what happens in a city? There's trash everywhere. There's jobs that become invisible to the people that clean, sweep to street cleaners and the people that empty all the garbage cans downtown and all these jobs that barely make a living wage and tenuous. And then at the same time, you're bombarding them with images of things that they need to buy because you base your whole economy on consumerism. It's a consumer economy. You base it all on that. You're not paying them and you're killing them with the police. And the ways you make the things that you want to sell them, that you constantly push to them. If I had that phone, I'd be this. If I had that car, if I, right? It's happening to every poor person in the world. In addition to the racial violence and terror in certain places in the world, including the United States, and the goods that they make, they're not sustainable goods. So they're literally destroying the planet. And that's by design as well. Of course it's by design because they know their kids don't fuck with them. <laughs> and they know it doesn't affect them. They, 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 they literally don't care. They're like, I won't leave you shit. Right. We yeah, won't they leave you move above it. <laughs> Well, and you know, Junior's not going to sign on to be part of the Cox company. He's not going to sign on. Junior wants to play guitar at Burning Man. You know, Junior's tame Impala. You know, so are you saying it's no longer about like legacy and leaving things to the next generation? That generation is interested in what's being left to them. Yeah, the same way that it used exactly. to be. Just as a. That's why I love James, like right to the point. Like I gave you a dissertation about the shit. I didn't even get to the point. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. <laughs> well, I look at this, the destruction of the middle class, which is affecting them as much as it is affecting us. It's like- There was never a middle class that was propped up by GI bills and infrastructure after World War II. That was propped up by the, the collapse of the market system. They had to prop it up because they we would have known even earlier, how much money they steal. (laughs) (laughs) Find a comfortable place. Here's a comfortable chair. Have a seat. (laughs) Yeah, that's why United Kingdom for so Sunday steak. (laughs) Look at the United Kingdom and their welfare programs. Look at the United Kingdom's welfare programs before Brexit. Think about it 20 years ago when all these bands were showing up. People were getting... 2,000 pounds in some sense, and, and a month. The government subsidy, a place to live, cable, TV. And then they had BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, BBC Four, BBC Six, all state-sponsored media for creators. So now your whole entire creative class has jobs, well-paying, seemingly middle-class jobs. It is how colonial countries should operate. If the United States wasn't so greedy and young yeah. in the frame of colonialism, see, it's a teenager compared to some of these countries. They oh, also yeah. get a month off vacation, Europe. Dude, they robbing them over in Europe, but they don't know. 
or they don't care as much. We don't even care or know. <laughs> We're confused. Like, look at that tranny. Yeah, tripping on shit that don't matter. We, we, right. we, 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 we confused on some like race and subjective identity shit. Yeah, they throw some white stuff at us. We can't keep white up. It's socially constructed to create a nation state. That's how you build nations. Everybody's from someplace. We got to build America. We need a monolith race. White. Yeah. So what happens? That creates black. If white is socially constructed, that means it doesn't exist. White people do not exist. And I walk in the world letting them know, A, your whiteness is not even a thing. You know that, right? Oh, did you know <laughs> that you were a pawn in the building of the United States? You didn't know? Oh, you're not white. So now give me your money and give me your acclaim and follow my lead as we learn about this one thing that you can never not know. At the end of the day, it's about money. Of course. It's always been. It's, it only became an issue when it was about and, money. And until we untether ourselves to the money, nothing will change. You can reform it with bills. You can march. You can get police defunded. Uh-uh. There has to be no currency. We have to build to a world where the whole United States is just a part, a small little part of the whole entire earth. And when you leave earth, this is the Afrofuturist promise. When you leave earth, you don't say I'm Eric from Ohio or I'm Jed from Alabama. You say I'm Eric from earth. Cause that's the only thing that's gonna ensure that somebody doesn't vaporize you. <laughs> I feel vaporized now. <laughs> so if whiteness is not a thing, is blackness not a thing as well? Yeah, none of it is. Yeah. None of it is. We are exactly the same. The things that separate us, everybody knows this. The things that separate us is are, are so small, are so measurably small that it's not worth even having a conversation. Until it's we environmental. Yeah. But it is the conversation. No, no, but, but we're having the conversation. I mean, it's environmental. You know I'm what I mean? I'm commenting on the absurdity of the conversation, mm-hmm. the true absurdity of it. It's infantile, actually, as a species. It's, it's absolutely infantile that we are making these separations between ourselves based on such small differences so small that there really aren't differences at all. So how do we combat it? I mean, it's going on whether we want it to or not. So do we ignore it? We have to you can't ignore it because they're just trying to acknowledge it. If that's a yeah. word. Here's, here's, what, here's my thing. I don't have an answer to that personally, but I, I, I think that it's that the argument sometimes gets taken over and turned into something else. Um, I don't require that much from anybody else. I simply want to have the same opportunities. That's it. I don't need you to be me. I don't need you to look like me. I don't need you to act like me. I don't need you to love the people I love or the type. I don't need any of that. I just simply want the same opportunities. And if that's ever given, then 
I think it will take care of itself. I mean, that's the only thing that's really separating any of this. It's not even really race. It's just opportunities and access to, 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 to certain things. So, you know, I don't care if people stay the way they are. Just don't get in my way in terms of me trying to acquire the things that I require. You know? Well, they're afraid of losing something. Their country, the, their, their standing. This is probably going to be an irresponsible statement. No. That's my disclaimer. No. Really? <laughs> Go ahead, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I believe 100% the fear is losing. What's happened if they take over, bum, 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 their fear is that if we take over, that we will do to them what they have done to us. Exactly. And that is not in the nature of us. Exactly. We do, not, we do not think the same about certain things as they do. Now, it is human nature to some degree, you know, to protect what's yours and take care of, but yada, yada. But we would not go about killing and pillaging and raping and, 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 and holding people down to such a degree that it's destructive to an entire race, specific race of people. We would Because not. they're describing us based on who they are. Yeah, exactly. It's not in our nature to do that. We just want to equal share. We, we would have done that share. a long time ago. Why would it have taken yeah, 400 I mean, just, years? It just doesn't happen. It just, it's I not mean, how we how did we? We never outnumbered anybody. That's true. Exactly. But even if you look at some of the, 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 the West Indian countries that, killed every white person on the island and yeah, took over. Haiti. Yeah, Haiti. I mean, you know, they, they did these things, but that was just so they got to their freedom, and then everything was just a matter of like, okay, how do we move forward? It wasn't like a spreading a, a, a concept of hating white people worldwide. No, no, no. But, but in Haiti, the... Like in, Haiti, in Haiti, they were propped up by France. Yes. They, they still are paying back. Yes the debts of that prop. Right. We, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they true. fought back. I mean, they fought I, back, I, but they ended up losing. I'm not, I'm not, this is not Go a ahead. belittling of the Haitian revolution. This is an understanding of how revolution works. Revolution has to be funded. Mm. It has to be funded. It has to be funded. Okay. So like Haiti had the numbers and they wanted to fight and they came up with a strategy. And then somebody came in and was like, we'll give you the resources too, but you're gonna owe us this back. And it was an absurd amount. So absurd that it's actually being talked about in the United Nations as absurd. Citibank. Right? <laughs> this is what's been going on. So like, I can do this all day. Hands up, don't shoot. You know, I can do the Malcolm and the Martin. I can do the Bobby Hutton. I can do the Fred Hampton. Fred. I can go moderate. Obama. I can go moderate. I do the Jesse Jackson. All these are monolith individual people, which is a Christian concept. It's going to take all of us to walk it back, period. And there's going to be a real commitment. Is that coming? It's going to have to be about our food systems. So providing healthy food, providing access to affordable house care, I mean, health care and housing. People want to have to sit down with themselves for enough time. If you're living day to day, hour to hour, check to check, you cannot even consider what you want the future to be. Do they have to help us? Do we need them to help no. us? Will they help no. us? 
No, just pay us the money that you owe. Just, you don't even have to do nothing else. Right, Boom. just get out of the way. Pay but, how, but, how, but what's going to make them well, want to do that, to come to the, the reckoning, if you will, to do that, to believe that that's beneficial to them? Do they want them to see their grandkids? Do they want to see their kids? Do they want to have a relation as elder people with their children? Or do they want to be the generation that gets left in large asylums, aging out, bed sores, no access to anything but a bed? Because that's where it's going to head. Because when it becomes an apocalyptic future, who's going to be the first people to die? Old people the majority of whom have power in this country. That, yeah, but that, they don't care because they realize how short their lifespan is going from here. Nobody to wants there. to suffer alone, yo. In a, nobody wants to not see their kids when they're dying. No one. Even the most evil, sinister motherfuckers. Right? Well, if they don't see the humanity in all of us, how how are they in touch enough with their own humanity to even, you know, realize that their behaviors are leading in that direction? Yeah, do they see the ego you're, you're system? Because that's how ego works. The children come from their body. The children come from their body. Their children come from their body. More than a black star in bands like ours use the drum. Hip hop uses the drum. Come on. That's what we've been doing. We've been doing it. Black music is the monolith music in the entire world, mm -hmm. period. Everything about music in the world comes from black Americans. I think black culture is the counterculture, which moves the culture, which is the culture. That's what I believe, too. But what I'm saying is we need to get, we've already been using our drums, right? Another, another thing that happens is, like, we're, we're looking at everybody in their prime. This whole racism thing, it's still in its prime. But when, when age sets in, it's, everybody says, you can't beat age. You know, you know all that. it's true. It changes your perspective. When you are isolated with nothing, it changes what your priorities are. Well, and how come we don't happening. see that? We don't see that when we look at Mitch McConnell and his because old ass Because we're still yeah. young. We're still, we're still in the middle of the, the development of it. I mean, no, he, he's still walking around. That He's not old enough yet. There's a generation coming up that's going to make a difference. It's been said before, uh, but I... He's a robot. Have, I have more faith in this version. Because there's a is a there's a interpersonal relationships that are happening and exposure. So even if you give all of your wealth and power to one person who thinks like you, eventually you just you're, you're running out of you're running you're going to run out of that mathematically. It just isn't sustainable. I just personally believe that. So you believe in humanity as a whole and in percentages. I believe in math. And I don't think that you I don't can... agree with anything James has said. No, no, I know. I guarantee you, Speak does not agree with that. But I, I, I do believe that there is, it just gets watered down more and more and more. And as it gets watered down, even though it still will exist and people will fight for it and become desperate in the death throes of the hoarding of power, 
I personally believe it's, it's it will wean off uh, with, with commitment and focus. Doesn't Algiers have a song about that? Something about power? Yes. Yeah, they, they, they got some dope songs. They got some real yeah. dope songs. All, all of those songs feel like they're about that in some respect. Yeah, uh, it's on. It's on my mind. It's on their minds. Uh, yeah, shout out to Algiers. I don't know what we fix this. I don't know what we would do. Hey, I love where we're at. I am so glad that this conversation came away from the music and went into our interbeings and our well, that's thoughts. The thing. There's no answers. We got to have a conversation. We have to be having this conversation and searching for solutions. You know, emotions. Talking about music. You know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, on the real, just folks out there that listen to this wonderful podcast, you know what I mean? These are perspectives in, in from a witness perspective. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I treat being an artist as witness to my times. You know, I'm witnessing what the hell's going on. I don't have a leadership position or smoke no. or a strategy for the shit, but I do see that's tied to capital. And I do see, because it's evident, a band like Morning a Black Star with the people that we are and the music we make should not be on the cover of The Wire magazine. That's not supposed to happen. Why is that happening right now? Because it's time. It needs to. Right. But that's because you got now three generations of children raised by hip-hop. Yes. That's my point as their primary love language to culture. They hold steez that just plays on hip hop. Even the skater kids that morphed in from, you know, they were grunge for a second and then boom, right into hip hop, yo. Yeah. And when, it, you know, when they mess up in the hip hop frame, they, they start listening to House and Jungle, all this other stuff. But for the most part, everybody's with some beats and drums. Is right? that because they're looking for the counterculture all the time? Because you're the punk of this era. Ooh. Oh. Man. Um, you, wow. uh, um, you like to make some real grandiose statements, man. That's grandiose. <laughs> I just hit you in your chest. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest with you, when you said it, I was like, duh. That's why I felt I wanted to go there. But since you wanted to be like, I hit you in your chest. <laughs> <laughs> what? Guy, get out of here. <laughs> why? Why is he like this, TC? Why is he like this? This man, Eric. I'm oh. shocked that y'all think he's so great. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know yet. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. I, uh, this has been great. Um, yeah, it's been very I fun. I feel like we've been talking a while. Hey, we have. This is a two-parter. Thank you. I would like to bring you guys on other panels that we might have that might come up. And pay attention because we are trying to get at this and expose our culture and holistically from an environmental point of view. I like how you say ecosystem. And I think of ego and I think of you talking about protection. We need witness protection. I was wondering, do you, do you guys ever, depending on where you go and by the message in your music, are you ever in fear of what you're singing about? I mean, no. just a little bit. No. no, never. No, 
You know what? We're not talking about. We're not. There's not really anything. We're just talking about. Yeah. Uh, the, what the situation is. We're not, we're not, I'm not pointing a finger and saying, you motherfuckers. I mean, you know, it's like, no, we, we the CNN. We the CNN with dope right. singers, man. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Just give what, what information. I, what I like about this, it's at a sophisticated level because I'm going back to your music after the pandemic and being exposed to more and writing more and seeing things differently. And now I'm starting to listen to your music differently. For instance, 2020, for instance, I can't breathe. For instance, for instance, I just want to throw that in there. Because that was before the, I can't breathe situation came up that it's prophetic, but of course Eric Garner couldn't breathe. And it's, 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 it's the same old thing. We're reporting the present the present from the total history of this country till till now, the, it's, it's all the present. It has not changed. So, but I think where where you guys are at with hip hop, hip hop is a little bit easier to digest. And then there's jazz, which is an acquired taste. It's mm. between there. I think those are the poles, and then the kids are eating that up because it's infused with hip hop and it's punkish, as I say, then it's, it's something different and you're getting them at an earlier age, which is giving us hope. That's what I think. That's, that's, that's actually not even true. You are always opposing me, man. I am trying to help you out. (laughs) That's my guy. I like this guy. All right. Washington. (laughs) Haters. Is this age 35 through 44 men age 50 to 65 men age 35 to 44 women? That's our demographic on the socials. That's who's engaging our website and our social medias and all that shit. So because kids, we can't quantify the kids because kids are smart enough and so savvy on the internet, their internet presence is damn near invisible. Only old people trigger as many cookies as we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. These these kids can be on the internet and check everything out for free somehow. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? So we don't know if they're checking out the music. We hope that they are, but we don't know because they're not going to, there's no data for them. Not in the same way as there's data for older people. The older you are, the more you use the internet as if it's a, a benevolent resource. The younger you are, the more you use the internet as a violent situation, because that's what it is. It's a commerce. Maybe that's, maybe that's part digital, wishful thinking, and that's based on what commerce. I saw. Yeah. It's digital commerce. It's a very mercenary place to be. We think of it like, oh, I'm a group chat. And I can Google Siri. And young like people, a toy. And young people are like, uh-uh. Nah, nah, nah. We see what's going on. We're going to use this tool, but you're not going to be able to track us on it. We're <laughs> going to innovate in this tool. And the ones of us that don't, that double down on, we'll leave them in the dust. We'll change the lexicon and the style so fast that they won't even be able to catch up. So you got 24-year-olds that seem like they're 50, walking around Costco and flip-flops <laughs> with a wife. And, <laughs> Beer gut, no steez whatsoever, just 
working a job and he's literally going to be like 60 years stuck like that because the kids leaving them in the dust with the language because they're not seeing nobody pro up. So I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting. Like you got to change, change your frame up, get youthful, get in your child pose. And you, you buckle up. It's about to be a ride. Hey, that's why I'm immature. I stay immature. It's about to be a ride. I'm not talking about immaturity. Oh, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I'm talking about from. I don't believe that man. I'm old. I don't believe that I'm old. I don't. Yeah, I'm just saying. Child pose is different. Remember Golden Child? Remember that movie, the Eddie Murphy movie? Oh, oh yeah, vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he had the, the, I want the knife. And it was like this golden child. And it's like Thai woman that rests. It was a whole thing. It was an Eddie Murphy movie, right? When he was up. But the premise was that this child, if you touched him, he could heal you. He could sustain himself by eating one leaf. Remember what the child was doing? I do. That was so long ago. We were old. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm bringing it up is that that's the child pose a curiosity of spirit, a willingness to adapt, a friendliness toward youthful innovation, a steadiness of age, but a youthfulness. That's what that child was representing. They always called him wise, you know, open and available. It's naive, being naive. Yeah, but it, but the naivete comes from untethering yourself from this concept of American man. Yeah. Because those are the ones they hunting <laughs> to get out of here. Yo. <laughs> I have obligations, people. Okay, we will let you go, man. Um, we'll let everybody go. Hey, like All I right, said, man. it was fun. It was great. I like, uh, I like Bring home I like, a plate like, for me. What? Say again. Bring home a plate for me. Just freeze it. <laughs> I'll be in a couple of weeks, probably. All right, cool. nice shirt on, dude. I like how everybody but Eric is in Cleveland right now. That's good. Right. You know? So. Why is that? Why do you like that? You're in Cleveland? Because. Huh? You're in Cleveland? Yeah. I got to come see you. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. That's definitely I've been trying to t- sending you videos for years. Who? Me? You. Months. In years, <laughs> right. Weeks. Thelonious months. About what? Videos about what? Thelonious <laughs> months. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and but F-S I mean. Months. Yeah, I know, but you know, but now I see the people and James. I feel like I know you. You talking about this Probably. is my niece, TC. I know this dude. He, he don't know me, but I know him. Of course. You. <laughs> All right, we'll let you go. Okay, hey, yeah. Right. Happy. Support us. We support you. All right. I'll talk to y'all later. All right, okay. Later. Bye. Right. Peace. Be sure to check out Morning of Black Stars new internationally and critically acclaimed new album, The Cycle, wherever you purchase or stream your favorite music. You can also keep up with Morning of Black Star and tour information on morningablackstar.com or morningablackstar.bandcamp, spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-A-B-L-K-S-T-A-R. Moments when we find ourselves Fleeing our busy lives 
Well, no.